Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey, Mark Trichel here with another episode of With Flying Colors. Excited today to be talking to you about NAFQ's letter to NCUA. NAFQ writes a letter to NCUA every year relative to NCUA's one-third review of its rules and regulations. So NAFQ and CUNA, I'll get to the CUNA letter later, but not this podcast, write NCUA taking all the thoughts that they get from their members during the year on things that could change to make the NCUA's regulations more user-friendly. And then NCUA has to weigh whether or not it's legal if they could make a change, and then if they could make a change, whether or not they should make a change. And if they can't, NAFQ encourages NCUA to go to Congress to get changes made, which quite frankly has been as equally successful as getting changes like the requirement for budget briefings as NCUA is able to get changes. NCUA generally can only get changes when maybe there's a, a crisis that Congress wants to deal with, or when one of the trade groups has lobbied so effectively that they make the change. So with that, I am going to speak to low income status, if I can find it here in my letter. And NAFQ's letter, a designation of low income status relative to section 701.34 of NCUA's rule and regulation. NAFQ states that it supports, supported the changes of the definition of grandfathered secondary capital as they facilitate efficient deployment of Treasury Department's ESIP emergency capital investment program funding. However, NAFQ does not support a maximum maturity for ESIP investments that truncates the useful life of the funding as regulatory capital. The NCUA's 2021 letter to credit unions addressing ESIP participation represented a positive development in terms of addressing this concern. However, additional adjustments will be necessary to fully maximize the value of ESIP. NAFQ encourages the NCUA to promptly issue a proposed rule to permit ESIP funding to count as regulatory capital for the entire time it is held by eligible institutions. Okay, if you don't have ESIP, this is irrelevant to you because ESIP is done and you cannot get it. If you do have ESIP, what NAFQ is saying here is please change your rule so that I can have this capital for 30 years, if indeed I asked for 30 years, a 30-year term with the Treasury. This will happen. It's just a matter of when it happens. NCUA faced some pretty severe political pressure on making this rule as reasonable as it should be. And quite frankly, there was such a rush to get the first rule out that it made sense for NCUA to communicate that it's looking at this. And I would bet I would bet the house on the fact that NCUA is going to change their rule to allow ESIP to last to count as capital as long as credit unions have that ESIP deposit. So again, if you have ESIP, you know what I'm talking about. If not, it's irrelevant to you. Uh, the letter goes on to develop a more reasonably tailored framework from, for subordinated debt beyond the ESIP context. So this applies to everybody else who is eligible. NAFQ also encourages the NCUA to commit to a broader reevaluation of the 2021 subordinated debt rule. While the subordinated debt rule has helped expand access to regulatory capital for non-low income credit unions, 
which by the way, it, it has expanded that, but no one's really taken NCUA up on it. I'm aware of some packages that are in process relative to that, but so far, I don't think anything has hit the books for credit unions relative to that. Credit union issuers with limited legal and administrative resources are now confronted with new barriers to entry as compared with the previous secondary capital rule. The complexity of the new regulation could compromise the health of existing secondary capital markets for like use that cannot afford specialized counsel to evaluate compliance with offering rules and other novel requirements. NAFU is, again, 100% right here. The new rule requires that expensive attorneys be hired to do small amounts of secondary capital so as to improve the paperwork and protect the, in theory, the purchaser of this secondary capital. And it's really overkill, in my opinion. And when the rule was finalized last year, some of the trade groups and some of the small credit union groups approached NCUA with letters stating that this was basically going to kill the opportunity for small credit unions to get sub-debt, which was formerly known as secondary capital. And I believe those groups are correct. It's too heavy of a lift. It's too costly. And when those questions came up at the public approval, staff indicated that these attorneys were going to do it for free for credit unions, which is nonsense. The reality that, that the rule went in uh, with the NCUA board being told that costs would go down on these. It might go down, but it's really cost prohibitive, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 for smaller credit unions to try and get a small amount of secondary capital. And those small credit unions is where, uh, where secondary capital was born at NCUA. They were the ones who used it. And now it's becoming a tool, a good tool for bigger credit unions. But the way they wrote the rule creates huge cost burdens that quite frankly, I don't think are appropriate or necessary. And NCUA has the ability to re-look at that. And I think they should look at that. I don't think it's really on their radar to do it. And they might not in the end, think that their legal abilities allow it. But there were several good comment letters on this that would show that NCUA pushed this harder and farther than I think they needed to, especially compared to the other banking regulators. And soon I will have a podcast on secondary capital as I am interviewing one of the league leaders in secondary capital, Olden Lane and Dan Prezioso. I've recorded that episode and it'll be coming out in September. So lastly, the letter says to cultivate a sustainable market for subordinated debt in the future and preserve LikeU's ability to leverage secondary capital to improve their communities, financial well-being, the NCUA should invite future comment on ways to adjust subordinated debt requirements to be less burdensome. Streamlining the procedures for issuing subordinated debt would help preserve its relative utility as a regulatory capital instrument, particularly for non complex credit unions that can alternatively choose the complex credit union leverage ratio as a mechanism for managing risk-based capital compliance. So I agree with their thoughts that NCUA should be looking at ways to streamline the procedures for issuing sub-debt. I think they've gone a little bit too far and there's an opportunity to pull back a little bit and it's going to take efforts like NAFQ and other other organizations and other trade associations communicating with NCUA to hopefully get this regulation brought back a little bit. That being said, NCUA via ESIP and other approvals, it's very clear that NCUA regional offices have been 
become bigger fans of secondary capital than they had been in the past. And the amount of going out continues to grow and will continue to grow. And that's a good thing for credit unions in general. It's a good thing for underserved areas as well. It's a good thing for potential bank acquisitions, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So that's it on this topic. I appreciate NAFQ putting a lot of really good thought into this letter, and it's allowing me an opportunity to add some opinion and some context to what they're asking for and whether or not I think their ideas individually have merit. And I think in this instance, I think NAFQ raises some excellent points that NCUA should take into consideration. That's it on this topic. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening. I hope you'll listen again soon. And this is Mark Treichel signing off with Flying Colors. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktreichel.com. 